You're welcome to Encore on Midlands 103. And of course, Encore is your dedicated arts and entertainment, culture and heritage hour. And each week we bring the Midlands creative voices to you. Bambi Thug, well, you've heard of them and they'll be representing us at the Eurovision in May. But will their band of Ouija rock end the Eurovision curse that Ireland has been suffering under for the last number of years? Mick Lynch is the author of What's Another Year and he'll be putting Doomsday Blue to the test for us. Speaking of song contests, if you're a songwriter in the Midlands, then you'll be really interested in Making Tracks, which is a songwriting competition that's being run by Port Sounds. And you could win a day in a studio and the chance to record some of your music And as a songwriter, sure, what more would you want? Well, I'll be chatting to Erica Lee of the band Frank's Mom and they have been regular attenders at the open mic nights in Port Harrington run by Port Sounds and Making Tracks is part of that adventure as well. And Murmuration is the name of an exhibition running at the Esker Arts Centre in Tullamore. You might remember a couple of weeks ago we spoke to Mullingar artist Theresa Doyle about her Breathe Oak workshop ahead of St. Bridget's Day. Now, that workshop came about as part of a bigger craft link experience linking Ireland and Finland. And we'll hear that part of the interview with Theresa later on in the show. So that's some of what's to come on the programme this evening. And before we get to all of that, a little of what you can enjoy in the arts in the Midlands in the next little while. Well, if you're lucky, you have tickets to Tullamore Musical Society's show Rock of Ages because it is sold out. It runs from this Saturday to next Saturday and it tells the story of a boy and a girl and a rock and roll bar about to be demolished. Details are on the Esker Arts website if you're lucky enough maybe to get a cancellation ticket there. And so too are details about murmuration, the workshops and the exhibition. Um, in Dunamace next, tomorrow night actually, Friday night, there is an immersive audio-visual installation of called Peatlands. And if you're interested in going along to that, you need to contact the Dunamace Uh, box office. It is free but you do need to book. Um, There'll be talks by Tina Claffey, the artist photographer Des Finnamore from the Abbey Leaks Bog Project will be there. Um, It's a really nice event and of course then the exhibition which is interactive will run after that for a period of time. Saturday we'll also see a very unusual uh, virtual reality event that is happening in Dunamace. It'll run each hour between 11 and 5 It's a community opera, but it's a virtual reality. So if your decision for 2024 was to notch up some new experiences on your cultural belt, well, this is one that might be for you. David O'Doherty is bringing his tiny piano to Mullingar Arts Centre on Saturday night. And David McSavage is in the Dean Crow Theatre next Friday night, the 16th. In Burr on this Saturday, you can catch, that's the 10th, you can catch Andy Irvine and Donald Lunny. And if classical music is your thing, you can mark it in your diary for the 17th of February. Hugh Tinney will be hosted by the Derivara Music Association. That is your update for now. I did mention Bambi Thog. Here they are taking us to the break on Encore on Midlands 103 tonight. 083 30 10 103 is the uh, text line if you want to let us know what you think of our 2024 Eurovision, Eurovision entry and of course Encore at midlands103.com if you want to drop me a line at any stage. Mick Lynch will share his views 
after the break. Hi, it's Brian here from the Saturday Beat. Join me from 5 to 9. We have great music, interviews, crack, and of course, all the latest from the world of sport. This Saturday evening, we'll be live from Wexford Park for the Division 1A National Hurling League clash between Wexford and Offaly. Joe Troy and John Lahey will be calling the action as Offaly look to bounce back from their opening day loss to Waterford, while the hosts come into the game on the back of a draw against the Leinster champions, Kilkenny. The action gets underway at 5pm, and you won't miss a moment with thanks to John Lahey Midland Auctioneers. Visit lahyauctioneers.ie. Saturday Beat with Brian Moss. Thanks to Joe Mallon Motors Port Leash with a wide selection of quality pre-owned cars and vans available now. JoeMallonMotors.ie You're very welcome back to Encore and still to come on the programme we'll get the update on Port Music um, Port Sounds and the art collective there, the work that they're doing on the Making Tracks competition which will give a singer-songwriter the writer of the best original song entered in the competition, A Day in a Studio to Record Their Music. But there is another song contest on the horizon on a slightly larger scale. And before the break, you heard our 2024 Eurovision entry, uh, Bambi Thug, and the song is called Doomsday Blue. Mick Lynch is from Mount Melick. He's a great friend of the programme and he is a Eurovision expert. He's the author of the definitive Irish Eurovision book, What's Another Year? Uh, Mick, you're very welcome to the programme and thanks indeed for for joining us this evening. Doomsday Blue, what do you think? Are you in love with it? Will it lift the Eurovision curse? The first time I heard it, I thought it was odd and it was weird. I've had a few more listens. I was just listening to it there as you were playing it and it's different. That's the first word I would certainly use. And that's not a bad thing for Eurovision because, you know, I've listened to other songs that were in, this, in the final there against it and they just seem to be the same playing old songs and not in Eurovision you have to stand out. So it wouldn't be my genre with the whole got, gothic thing and I think they describe themselves as Ouija pop or hyper punk. And, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a mixture of that so I don't think it's one you're going to hear getting much airplay. No. You know, it's not a radio-friendly song, certainly not. And It's not catchy that's... and it's not easily listening. Yes, I think when you listen to it, there seems to be about three or four songs in together or genres, if you want mm. to call it that. You know, you're yeah. listening to a bit, there's a lovely little melody bit there in the middle, then it goes back into something else. Now, fans of Bohemian Rhapsody will probably tell you, well, that was the same, but it's just, I don't think it's, you know, it's likable enough. And we have to depend. She's obviously going to tour around Europe and promote it in advance and hope people will latch onto it. But, you know, um, it's a tough one to call. It's one of those that could, could really run away with it or finish last. You know, I don't think there's any in between with that song. And it just depends on what the different countries and juries vote for on the night. I suppose when we look at the kind of songs that have that have been successful at Eurovision in recent years, um, it isn't the traditional ones. And sometimes it's ones that have been so far outside the box, maybe, that nobody would have predicted that they might have won. Yeah. I mean, you I suppose the first one in, in my years of listening to it, the first one that jumped out, they didn't jump out with me, the one it was Lordy, if you remember, yes, yeah. you know, down Hard Rock, Hallelujah, and I think it was 2006. And, you know, that was totally unexpected, but it was different. I, I remember interviewing Brian Kennedy for my book, and he was there for Ireland that year, and he, he was very critical of it as a song winning it. And he said, you know, the only thing they had going for them was it was memorable. 
not the tune, but the performance and the guys all dressed up in the gear. Yeah. So um, that's certainly, and even in recent times, you know, I, I thought the Italian song wouldn't have been one I picked. And even, I think, the first time Ukraine, second time Ukraine won it, Jamelia, um, Jamel, I think, uh, wasn't songs that didn't jump out with you. But sometimes people are looking for something different to vote for. You know, the the, the kind of plain Jane type songs sometimes definitely nowadays don't wash it. It needs to be song, production, you know, the whole stage show. Yeah. It's because when they when they go to vote, they're kind of thinking when they're seeing the little playback of the songs, they're going to go, oh, that's the one with your man running around or that's the one with such a thing. And they tend to vote sometimes, a lot of times gimmicky. Now we've sent, as you know, we sent Dustin in a shopping oh. trolley. And, and at the time, you know, that's gimmicky whereas, you know, some countries could look at it, but look where that ended up, you know. So yeah. I, my, my gut feeling is, um, I suppose for Ireland, it's an achievement to get out of the semi-final. And when you're, there's only, <laughs> 15, there's only 15 in it and 10 get through. So the odds are good. But you, you, until I hear the other songs or see the stage shows for them, it's very hard to say because they're very clever, the production team. They, Ireland are going to be in the first semi-final and they're okay. going to be in what's called the first half. So, you know, they're in, they're really going to be the first um, seven or eight songs. We're definitely between one and eight. Yes. And what they do is they've all those countries picked already. They'll wait and see what each country produces. And then they'll start with an up-tempo one, then maybe drop a ballad in. You won't get four ballads in a row or you won't get four high-tempo songs. So they're trying to create a TV show as, a, as opposed to years ago. Course, I think they were yeah. creating a song contest. So, yeah. Um, and I mean, it said, yeah, we're on the first, um, the first semi-final yeah. is on the 7th of May, you know, in Ireland. They'll be in and we'll be one of the first seven or eight songs. Yeah, we might come back to you just before that, maybe. In and you've had to listen yeah. to them all and maybe give us a sense of what you think might come through in those two semi-finals and, and where yeah. we might figure in all of that. Um, so... Looking down ahead to May, we don't know, is it going to be the best of the songs that will make it uh, for the yeah. Eurovision itself? Is it the best of the songs to come out of Ireland that were up for that uh, nomination, that, that, that role of representing us? Um, I think so, mostly. I think the, the, the Dustin episode was just popularity voting and people going against the system. But in general... I spoke to Michael Keeley. He's the RT head of delegation, and he he's involved. He's the man that organises the whole thing uh, here in RT. And he explained to me a few years ago. You know, I know this year I think we got 380 songs submitted to RT. So the five or six that six that were played on the back on the Late Show, in their eyes, was the six best they could come up with out of those 380. Okay. You know, when I interviewed him, when I interviewed him ten years ago, he said it was 320 songs. So what he was saying to me at the time was, um, we can only do with what we're given. Yeah. And I agree. I know we, we slate the national broadcaster every year because of the the quality of the entries. But he said, everyone thinks they can write a brand Eurovision song. And we get in these 300 plus songs and most of them don't cut the mustard. So it's, um, I suppose they're doing what they can with yes. what they have. Yeah. And and to be fair, RD, it's not up to RD to do anything with the song, you know, they let them present it as it is and then they'll do the production and maybe um, stage showing of it. But I think for someone like Bambi Tug, it'll have to be, the song itself, 
if that was another country performing that in two months' time, and I was sitting at home watching it, I would say, what a load of crap that one is. But when it's your own country, when it's your own country, you tend to, the patriotism kicks in. And yeah, and you're trying to um, see the good in it. So it's the first year ever that I will say it's not a song I can remember. So that's why I'm on the fence at the minute. Yeah. As in Cynthia, I do honestly think it's either going to, you know, win the Champions League or be relegated at the end of the season. It seems to be one way or the other. I don't think it's going to be down the middle. So, okay. um, hmm. Moving completely in a different direction. Um, yeah. The Grammys. I bet you watched the Grammys. I sure did. I loved them. Yeah. yeah. What was your highlight uh, performance? Now, I thought Joni Mitchell uh, was amazing. Yeah, that would have been my standout. And I think anyone realised they were witnessing history there watching. She won, obviously, the Grammy for Best Folk Album, which I was delighted about. And she, um, just to see her on the stage after what she's been through over the last couple of years and come back and learn to walk and learn to talk and sing again. Um, and to perform there with Brandy Carlyle, they're on both sides now, which, as we all know, is an absolute beautiful song oh, anyway. Yeah. But to see her sitting there, you know, 80, 80, 82 years of age or whatever she is, she's definitely 80. And I just thought, wonderful. And the voice still sounded good, you know. It, it did. It sounded, um, it sounded, it didn't sound like it used to. And, and you can imagine that. It, it, how could course. it? How could it? Yeah. But the performance was electrifying. Yes. And I think she was able to capture every single person. Like oh. you, you, you watch around, you see all the Taylor Swifts and all these people standing there looking at her all in awe, realizing, hang on, you know, she paved the way for all these female artists, especially any of them in the folk, folk genre and stuff. Yeah. But she paved the way for a lot of them. And they're all looking at her and going, we all know that song. doesn't matter what age you are, you know that song. And I'm a huge fan of her. Yeah. And I, I just thought, I tears in my eyes. I'm not lying, too, definitely. Yeah. You know, I just thought a very emotional performance. Yeah. And the other one that would have jumped out for me would be uh, Billy Joel. Okay. I'm a huge Billy Joel fan. And yeah. the big thing for him was that was his, he stopped writing lyrics to his songs 30 years ago after the River of Dreams album. Yeah. And ironically, ironically, the last song he wrote and put on River of Dreams was called Famous Last Words. And he knew that when he was writing it, he said, I'm giving up writing. I'm still doing music, but he had no interest putting lyrics to them. Right. And very unusual for someone that's been around that long, that for the last 30 years we've had no vocal, you know, um, from him. So to come back with this song, Turn the Lights Back On, he came on and performed it, and it's your typical piano man type yeah. song. One man sitting at a piano, playing an intro, playing a song, no gimmicks, no whistles and bells. And... You know, it went down a storm and he done, obviously, You May Be Right, which is one that's been covered by Garth Brooks and other people. Yeah. People might know it by them. So, and, and both of them I know are veterans, but I'm a huge, like, Taylor Swift fan as well. And I love Olivia Rodrigo. So, oh, yeah, that you was know, a great performance. Uh, Olivia Rodrigo's oh, was a great performance. Lovely. Um, and I don't know if you saw Jay-Z coming on, giving out about that. Just about to ask you about that. Um, standing <laughs> I, up for I his lady, thought, yeah. Standing up his lady, fair enough, but I, I thought he was taught now, obviously Taylor hadn't won it at this stage, but he was kind of having a go at, you know, um, that Beyonce had won these 32 Grammys, the most of anyone ever won, but still never had won album of the year. And I was kind of thinking, well, there's a lot of people, in, in even in sports and in music and in any event, 
someone can dominate one era of it. Like someone can win the Premiership loads of times, but never win the FA Cup. So it's kind of. I just thought, I, mean, I felt yeah. sorry for Beyonce because I could see she was cringing as if to say, you've said enough. But he, um, I, I thought it was unnecessary, you yeah. know. And I wonder he though. He was having a go at the academy. Yeah, yeah, I wonder though, is it difficult for her the way um, she crosses so many genres? Because certainly listening to the yeah. to the five R&B songs that were up for the R&B song of the year, I was thinking, yeah. they just all sound the same. Um, yes. You know, and there was nothing as edgy or as really as clever as what um, and as stylish and as well produced as what Beyonce can do. Does she just fall between the stools in terms of of, of where she could be nominated for that or am I misunderstanding it? No, I I think like she's still as popular as ever. And when her albums come out, I do have a quick listen to them. And I suppose I jump on the hit singles and listen to them more so. But um. I, I don't know, maybe, like, the other t- way I look at it, if you're the most nominated, and or the most, you've won the most Grammys, and if you haven't got album of the year, sometimes it could be down to, people only get to vote, I think people get to only, the, the 11,000 voters for the Grammys, only get to vote for 11 categories or something. Now, there's I about 90 categories. Yeah. yeah, there's over 90, and so they can only vote for 11. Now, a lot of them will try and get their vote in for the big one, and then I think there's a second round because if everyone just votes in the first 10 categories, there's nothing else to vote for. But, yeah, there's um, you're only about, allowed to vote in 10 of them. So some of those Beyonce people could be voting for single of the year, for a song of the year, or you know, um, recorded years, best producer. So there's a lot of other categories. Obviously, the one, the highlight, everyone wants to win is album of the year. Of course it is. Mick, we're going to leave it there. We could be here all night. Uh, thanks for joining us. That is Mick Lynch and we'll chat to him in May when we have a sense of what the Eurovision competition is. Who else is in the race? You're listening to Encore on Midlands 103. After the break, Port Sounds Song Competition and the chance of a day in studio. We'll be talking to Erica Lee. Stay with us. Encore with thanks to Find Local Jobs, your perfect source for jobs and training in the Midlands and beyond. Kickstart your career at findlocaljobs.ie. You're listening to Encore on Midlands 103. Port Sounds are running an original song competition where the winner will get a chance to record their track in a recording studio. You'll get a whole day in a recording studio. To enter, what you do is you email or message or turn up to the next open mic night and that is the 23rd of February and they're in the Anvil Inn in Port Arlington. Uh, Entry costs a tenner and uh, all of the entries must be in by the 23rd of February. So what's it all about? Well, we stepped back a little bit. I thought it would be an interesting thing. Uh, to talk to somebody who has been attending some of those open mic nights because this competition is an extension of that um, because they've been getting huge numbers of attendees. Uh, Jack has been telling me all about it. Um, But Erica Lee is a singer-songwriter and she's a guitarist and she is one of the members of the Kildare-based band Frank's Mom. And they have, as I said, been actively attending Port Sound's open mic nights. She is very excited about the prospect of the competition. I chatted to her a little bit earlier on this week and first of all, of course, I asked her about that really quirky name for the band, Frank's Mom. <laughs> it actually has nothing to do with my mother at all. Um, I think it was just the name that all my friends liked the best and thought sounded the coolest. 
And also, it's not like genre specific. Like you wouldn't know what sort of band it is. But you are an indie band, and there are four of you: three, yourself, Amelie, Grace, and Killian. Um, yeah. Tell us about the the kind of music that that you write and perform. Um, well, we're an indie rock band. We started with sort of lo-fi, like indie rock pop music, and now we've kind of gone a bit like we've gone into like studios and stuff. Um, and we write and recorded all our own songs and yeah. So if I was listening to Frank's mom on Spotify and you know, the way Spotify or any of the, the, the streamers say, if you like Frank's, Frank's mom, you'll also like, what would be coming into that space? Oh, then you'll like bands like The Breeders, Los Campesinos, maybe a bit Taylor Swift, like Radiohead, Olivia Rodrigo. Everything. We love and take inspiration from everything. Okay. Um, so you've been together for over six months at this stage. What kind of a journey has that been for you? It's been the coolest thing ever because I didn't know um, some of the band like performing them through music. So we got to become friends, get to know each other and get good at like writing together. Like it's so much fun getting to bring a song to other people and write together rather than being on your own the whole time. It's awesome. Okay, and how did the four of you uh, manage to come together and form Frank's mom? Well, I met Grace in school, and I found out she also liked indie rock music, and I begged the poor girl to be in a band with me. Um, And then we put up ads to get our drummer Killian and our bassist Amelie, and they're all just great. Okay, so in the band yourself, you play guitar, you sing and you write songs. Tell me about your own guitar playing background. Are you self-taught? Did you do lessons? What kind of music were you listening to growing up? Yeah, I'm self-taught. I started playing guitar during lockdown because like I idolized and I wanted to be Kurt Cobain. So I learned to play like really sloppily, self-taught. But thankfully, I think I've gotten a lot better since then. <laughs> and, more, and more positive, hopefully, as well. Um, yeah. So Nirvana is there as an influence for you, for you too. Definitely. Um, and was that the kind of um, grungy kind of music you were listening to in your room during lockdown? Is that what you were, what you were writing? Yeah, like during lockdown, like I only listened to Nirvana for a year straight and now I can't even touch their music. Like I played it to death. But since then I've like grown to allow new influences like pop music. I love pop music. Okay. I love indie rock music. Okay. Interesting to hear you mention Taylor Swift there in the middle of all of your list of influences. I suppose it's hard. I'm a huge Swiftie. Are you really? I suppose it's hard to be involved in music or have an interest in music uh, and not be impacted on in some way by Taylor Swift. I mean, yeah, she's everywhere. She's everything. Like, her songwriting is just insane. And she covers, like, all the genres, too. So, you can't miss her. You can't. No, you can't miss her. Uh, (laughs) This is really true. Um, So, you have, with your band, you have been attending a lot of these open mic nights in Port Arlington. Um, How have you been finding them? Well, first of all, I suppose, what brought you there in the first place? Um, it was actually Jack. He's got a really cool band called Errors Redemption. And he kind of introduced me to the Port Arlington scene. They've got like a great art community with the Port Sounds and the Port Art Collective. And I played some of the open mics there on my own. And then in the Anvil Inn, they do them like monthly. And it's just like a great 
like open space like any level can play there and like just get it's a space to just get your music out which is what you need and what's really important is they really support like original music which I feel like we don't have enough places doing that. And how often does it happen or does it happen at all that you go to a, an open mic night or you go to a night in the Anvil or somewhere else and you perform a, a new piece of music and you think yeah they like that I'm going to keep it the way it is or I'm going to tweak something or yeah, they didn't really like that. I need to work on it again. Does that ever happen? Um, well, you definitely get like feedback from the other performers. I think once I played a song and I didn't have a title for it, so I asked people in the audience, like, oh, what should I call it? And afterwards, I got some like crazy suggestions. Like, it's, and because everybody's artists, so they all kind of know what's up, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And what is that community of artists and musicians like for a young band like yourselves? I think we're just lucky that they like allowed a young band to play because a lot of them are older, but um, they're still just so like welcoming and great. Like anyone who's interested in music like needs to go down. So based on all of your experience there, um, and, and what you've been doing with the um, Port Sounds and the, the open mic nights. Um, what's your view on the competition that is set to happen over the next couple of months, the the Making Tracks event? Tell us a little bit about it, first of all. Yeah, well, it's a songwriting competition in the Anvil Inn and it's presented by Port Sounds. I think it's great because it's not just focused on like bands or like singer-songwriters or any sort of thing. It's just like, if you write and play your own song, you can enter, which I really like. But um, yeah, it's all focused on like original music. And is there a vibrant original music scene? I mean, do you see this as the kind of competition that's going to attract a lot of interest from, from younger bands and indeed from older bands? I definitely think so, because sometimes there can be a lack of spaces to play original music. Like, you find pubs they want like cover songs so I really think this will like get people in the the prizes are quite nice as well for for people who are in your position starting out in their musical career aren't they yeah like a recording day in the studio that's like a huge opportunity I think for anyone writing their own music and what would you be doing with that if if you won it for example gosh uh, like the whole band would be in there We've got a lot of different songs we could record, so we'd have to pick one. And, like, you could release your first single with this if you want it. Like, it's great. So, uh, what I'm going to ask you to do, Erica, then, is to introduce um, one of your own songs for for us. It's called If You Want Me. Tell us a bit about it uh, before we listen to it here on Encore this evening. Um, well, I wrote If You Want Me about <laughs> hating myself and just wanting to be, like, all the cool people I thought were around me. So it's quite a negative song, actually. And that is Erica Lee of Frank's Mom. You can catch their music on Spotify, on Facebook, on Instagram. You know yourself. The closing date for making tracks in association with Port Sounds and the Port Art Collective and the Anvil Inn is the 23rd of February. And you'll get all the details on that on the Port Art Collective Facebook page. Stay with us here on Encore on Midlands 103. We are coming back after the break with something 
very different. Uh, we've been it's been all music so far tonight, but we'll be coming to craft after the break and the murmuration exhibition at the Esker Art Centre in Tullamore. Encore. Thanks to Find Local Jobs. Take training seriously. Find great courses in your area now at findlocaljobs.ie. You're listening to Encore on Midlands 103 with me, Claire O'Brien. Encore at midlands103.com is the email address. Do get in touch if there's something happening in your area or somebody you think there's a voice I'd love to hear on the arts programme on Midlands 103. Let us know. Murmuration is an exhibition that is running at the Esker Arts Centre in Tullamore, but it is much, much more than just a collection of work. It's also a collection of experiences, of crafts, of shared stories, uh, and it's happening across county and national borders. Theresa Doyle is an artist from Mullingar. She's one of the members. Here she is talking about craftlink.eu and the extraordinary project that she and some of the other, other Midlands makers were involved in with some other makers from Finland. I'm part of a group that um, is supported by Craftlink. And Craftlink is a cultural exchange programme that explores heritage and culture. And it ha- with a focus on developing skills or, or um, like working on your skills to uh, perhaps make new products. And um, the, our Craftlink is uh, craftlink.eu on the website if people want to have a look at it. But it's awfully local development company and Westmead Community Development. And uh, then there's um, leader in Westmead and leader in Finland also. And I'm not sure if I have the pronunciation right now, but it's Wieska and Kipiski leader in Finland. And they fund. They have funded this program through the Leader Rural Development. Okay, and all yeah. of this is connected to what you mentioned there earlier on, which is the murmuration exhibition and project. Um, so, whether yes. or not people are attending the workshop, they can attend the exhibition. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and what people yeah, can expect absolutely. from it? I'd yeah, be delighted. Well, I am. One, like Murmuration, it's an exhibition um, that was opened on the 12th of January by Eddie Shanahan, who is the product and development consultant. And it's going to run at Esker Arts in Tullamore. Esker Arts is up on High Street in Tullamore. Beautiful, beautiful centre. And the exhibition will, will run there until March the 2nd. But it consists of 16 makers, designers, artists, um, and eight are from Westmead and Offaly, and eight are from Finland. And through the Craftlink programme, some Finnish makers came to the Midlands in Ireland, and some of us went to the Midlands in Finland. And through those exchanges, like they came to some of our studios and we went to some of their studios and there was a workshop or two in Ireland and a workshop or two in Finland. And from meeting with the Finnish partners, um, the last night that we were in Finland from from Ireland, at, is it okay if I just mention? The, well, I'd love of to course, yeah. the people on the programme. So there is um, 
Helen Keneally. Helen runs Celtic Studio in Balnehown. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashling Muller, who lives in Collinstown, and Ashling has life-changing landscapes. Uh, Jane Walsh, the Button Studio. Uh, Rosemary Langtree is um, artist, uh, painter, and um, does a lot of what's Rosemary's. Um, She's kind of mixed media in caustic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And John Farrell. And John is a beautiful uh, furniture, furniture maker. And he is, uh, his company is Esco Design. So it was all of us with eight makers from Finland. And it was like our conversation on the last night that we were in Finland was about like, was there a possibility that we could work together and maybe create something between us and the chat about, gosh, how could we do that? And all of the rest. So on the, on the um, Craftlink program, we had, Eddie Shanahan throughout for some mentoring at different stages. So it was, I think, Eddie who paired us with each maker from Finland that we didn't get to pick, that okay. we were given a person and uh, to create whatever it was then to work for each couple, each pair to work on, on their piece. And all of the pieces are in the exhibition in Esker. And um, if like some of the skills involved in that, um, there's joinery, wood sculpting, traditional peg wedge joinery. Uh, that was John and his partner Taro from Finland. And oh gosh, I left out. I didn't mention Hazel there, did I? Hazel Green. No, you didn't. Say, no. Yeah. Oh gosh, I didn't. Excuse me, Hazel. <laughs> so there was Hazel Green, uh, Hazel, the most beautiful watercolours and silk scarves, mm. and Claire Guinan also, Claire Guinan Art from Tullamore. The reason I left the two girls was because I was going to mention them with the other workshops yeah. at Esker Art. Yes. Yeah. Um, but Hazel and her partner, Paulina, they did uh, artistic wall hanging. And the skills in that were eco-print, watercolour and calligraphy. Okay. There's also weaving and bog oak from Helen and Marquita. And from Ashling and Yuha, there's um, a holistic natural gemstone therapy, some audio recording and woodworking. And they made this beautiful sacred medicine chest. And then Rosemary, as we mentioned, Rosemary and Joanna, they had a leather craft and jewellery making and made a beautiful, some beautiful leather bags and jewellery. And Claire Guinan and her partner Joanna, uh, their craft was rush work, leather work and silver work. And they made some beautiful jewellery and uh, bag also. And then Jane from the Button Studio and Jana Their pieces are uh, ceramic and resin. And then myself and my partner from Finland, Jana Design, ours was doll making, sewing. And Jana um, is a birch bark artist. So she takes her main material from birch trees, the bark of the trees, and she weaves 
makes baskets, makes jewellery, and it's one of the oldest skills in Finland. Yeah. So all of this was um, what we did throughout 2022 and 23, along with all our other work, of course, but like this project has been ongoing for two years. So the the exhibition in, in Tullamore is really worth visiting, Murmuration, because it, it serves as a beautiful reminder of the power of community and connecting and then and trust as well, that we each had to trust the person that we were working with, that to share our skills, our thoughts, our ideas. And the name came from from exactly what the birds do, how they fly back and forth and they're all together, but but nobody is the leader forever. Uh, at one stage, someone is, some of the birds lead and then they turn and they go back the other way and the others are the leaders. And that's just kind of exactly how we worked the project, that we started um, making some of our craft in Ireland and it went to Finland. And then the, our Finnish partners, they sent it back to Ireland and it was finished in Ireland, some of the work. And yeah, January, mid-January then, it opened in Tullamore and we're delighted with it, yeah. And that exhibition is happening at the Esker Arts Centre in Tullamore. The Raggle Taggle Doll workshop is on this day week, Thursday the 15th, and the bookmaking workshop, which sounds just fantastic, takes place on the 17th, that's a Saturday, The following week, on the 22nd, Hazel Green teaches you how to add watercolour to sketches. And you'll find all the information on the exhibition and on those workshops on the Esker Arts website. And that is it from Encore for this evening. Really looking forward to the programme next week already because I'll be talking to Pamela Sellers. She is the director of Portumna Players Performance of Jimmy Keary's brand new play. They premiered it back in November and it's coming to Burr this month. It's called Marrying Mike and I'm really looking forward to chatting to Pamela next week on the programme. Encore at Midlands103.com is the email address. Drop me a line if you like. I'd love to hear from you. The great Joe Cooney is in the building and will be here after the news at eight o'clock with the best of Irish and American country music. I will be back in this seat again next week and looking forward already to talking to you. Take care of yourself till then. 